how can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Yay. Tom, you know, you you make it yours. It's wonderful, you know, because Mark does this prolonged thing, which I love. But man, you make the introduction yours. Thank you so much. Thank you. I could try a more energetic Dr. Joe show. I don't. I couldn't match Mark's energy though, and no. I don't think it would be fully appropriate uh, <laughs> given the events of this week. Good point. It Good has been. Point. It has been several things hitting the fan. Oof. All at once. Yeah. So we've had. I'll start with. Domestically, we've had the Don't Say Gay bill pass through the House of Florida, awaiting approval by the state Senate. We have a new law, or I don't even know if it was a law, or it was just... just Not a law. (laughs) Not a law, just straight up telling Child Protective Services, uh, hey, having a trans kid is a form of child abuse, so take them into custody. And also, if you're a teacher or faculty of a school, you got to report, you got to out your kids. Um, You know, there was an episode down in Providence where NSC-131, a neo-Nazi street gang with its origins in New England, assaulted a bookstore. And we have a new war in Eastern Europe. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a week. And, you know, we've already been managing or trying to manage the, the division in our own country, the political division, the sort of a division of what's right, what's wrong, people at each other, people disrespecting each other. And I'll and say, was- I'll say, so we had a special interview with uh, comedian writer Dave Anthony, host of a, a podcast called The Dollop, which I highly recommend. And when we asked him the two questions, what small change can you recommend? One of his small changes was speak up. Yeah. Because people are timid. Most people are, are timid about their beliefs. And right now, the loudest people uh, are saying some vile things. And it yeah. makes me think, like, this isn't new. This phenomenon isn't new. So many people kept their mouths shut during the civil rights movement because they didn't want to stir the pot. Everyone, everyone when asked was like, Martin Luther King? No, I hate that guy. Mm. But many people today in America would have hated MLK absolutely hated the man and we're in a moment right now where we have a an opportunity to say that something that is wrong is wrong yes that's true and 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 that's what we're doing and it's spontaneous because folks i i want i want to tell you that that this was not the plan for tonight's show but there's so much going on that we do want to follow day's advice we do want to speak up we want people to be listening. And in the same vein, the guests we have tonight, they have dropped whatever they were doing so they could be with us tonight. Tom, could you please introduce our guest for tonight? Absolutely, Dr. Joe. We have an amazing guest, 
a connection from Riverside Community Care, Ramey Marks, a mental health counselor, facilitator, advocate, and consultant who for over 15 years has worked to create more nurturing and equitable spaces for LGBTQ plus people and all those who experience oppression. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Thank you very Welcome, much. Welcome, Ramey. Thank yes. you so much. And I know she's listening out there, Kim Fisher, who is our uh, pro, our, our, our director and vice president of all of the behavioral health services. Thank you so much for yeah. recommending Ramey. So welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Thank you so much. So appreciate you being here. And again, on such short notice, let me just say hello to your father-in-law. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, you know, Kim has been texting me right along and she, she mentioned something really important. And I'm just wondering... Tom, we introduced the Dr. Joe show, ladies and gentlemen. And so, Ramey, I wanted, what do you think <laughs> about that? Let's just start right there. What do you think? I, Is that an inclusive? I love, I love that Kim beat me to it because uh, that, <laughs> that would be my feedback as well. Um, you know, I think it's, it's so easy to slip into the things that we're used to. Right. And so saying ladies and gentlemen or talking to, you know, a younger audience, boys and girls, um, you know, speaking to a, a group full of people that you might read as women saying, you know, hey, ladies, all of those things um, come out so organically out of most of our mouths. And that doesn't mean, though, that it's the only way. Right. And so I think that there's a lot of um, simple adjustments that uh, people can make in in their language to be more inclusive to be a little bit more um, aware that not only do you not know the gender of who you're speaking to but that there are more genders than just man and woman um, so I tend to if I'm you know speaking to an audience I might say you know good evening folks uh, good evening guests um, mm. there's actually there's a podcaster uh, the podcast is called Sleep With Me. It's a, it's a sleep bedtime, like wind down podcast. And uh, the, the host always introduces or starts off by saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. Hmm. And I, you know, I think it's such a specific to that particular uh, host, but I think it's also a really sweet way of sort of acknowledging we don't even have to necessarily throw out the language we're used to and the language we're used to often does not recognize the really beautiful, beautiful and broad uh, range of ways that people can experience their own identities. Yeah, well, well said. And so, Tom, I'm first. I'm glad that Kim called us out on it, and <laughs> Amy, I'm glad that that you're willing to talk with us about it. Yeah. And, and and in a way, honestly, that that is not shaming. You know what I mean? Because I think, yeah. I think that that becomes a defense of a lot of people mm -hmm. that they, because they feel that they're being called out on doing something mm -hmm. that's wrong or not inclusive. It creates in them a defense. A yeah. Help, I'm being canceled. I'm being canceled <laughs> by the woke mob. <laughs> you should it, be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that your experience? I mean, or am I just missing something here? That is very much my experience, um, both on an individual level. You know, when I correct people who incorrectly, um, you know, mispronoun me, so use the wrong pronouns for me, or refer to me in a way that 
doesn't accurately reflect my gender, um, I often have to correct them or acknowledge like, hey, that's that's not correct. Um, and I also, you know, as as we heard in my introduction, I am a facilitator, a trainer, a consultant. Um, and so I also often am having these kinds of conversations with larger groups. And I have found that whether or not I am talking one-on-one -on -one to someone or I am talking to a group of hundreds of people, there is so often defensiveness uh, to those kinds of, um, I'm even hesitant to say corrections, even mm. though that's what it is, but I know that by calling it a correction immediately, that sort of causes many folks to wrinkle because it feels like they are being uh, told that they are wrong, that they're right. bad, right? And I, I don't, I don't think that uh, being given an opportunity to learn and grow and uh, find ways to be more inclusive is being told that you're wrong or a bad person. But I know that very often that is uh, the message that people get. And so it, it yeah. can be really scary to, to be corrected. Right, right. And, and words are so important. Um, and again, it, it's not to, not to dismiss the fact that it, there is a correction, but I don't know. So it's also a clarification. It's, mm -hmm. it's also, you know, saying, let, let me let me just be clear about something here. Yeah. And I, you know, as a as a I get shrinky about this stuff, but <laughs> but I I'm very aware that human beings are worried that they will be devalued. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I think when we feel put in a position where somehow we've done something wrong. Mm. We get defensive. Yeah. The reframe of that, however, is that we wouldn't get defensive if we didn't think we'd done something wrong. Mm. And that's not a bad thing. Mm. So when we were off air, Tom had uh, an interesting idea. Tom, you want to talk about this? Yeah, so one of the, usually, you know, it's very often used in bad faith, but I think there is a lot of confusion about the distinction between gender and sex. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but gender is more of a social construct where it's more about how you feel your role is in society, whereas sex is, what what are you working with? So, in <laughs> That was beautifully said. Um, and, and I think that the absolute most basic shortest terms, uh, yes. I, I think that, you know, I would generally say that sex, uh, we, societally, we tend to see sex as biological, as like you said, um, you know, someone's physical or physiological characteristics. Um, and we tend to see gender as something that is socially constructed. It's how we view ourselves and how we view others, how we interact in the world. Um, and I think broadly that is true, but the the one sticking point I have with that distinction is that it implies that there's something more real about sex because we can see it, it is tangible, it is biological. And we also give meaning to the ways that we interpret biology, right? And so, you know, historically, uh, there, you know, there were two sexes, male and female, but female wasn't actually really its own sex. It was the inversion of male, mm. right? It, it was, it was not individual in it, its own right. And so we would look back on that now and think that's ridiculous. 
And that's because we interpret the biological, uh, the physical, the tangible things that we are seeing. And so while I think there is still a, a distinction to be made between um, sort of people's physical selves and the ways that they see themselves and present to the world and engage in the world, that doesn't mean that sex is more real and gender is sort of this fake thing in someone's head. Hmm. It's also gender is has a biological basis, right? Because there there's more ways for chromosomes to express themselves than XY, right? Well, so yeah. So when we're looking at um, the the physiological, uh, biological aspects of sex or gender, um, it, it is not as, as simple as male and female. You're absolutely right. Um, there's, I believe, uh, 13 different ways that human chromosomes can uh, present. Um, there are also different ways that people's chromosomes can uh, sort of present in people's external or internal genitalia and the ways that their hormones present and all of those things uh, can cause really uh, a, a broad range of even uh, the, the physical, tangible biology that we see in humans. So even in a category such as female, you're not going to have identical presentations of what those bodies look like between any two people. Yep. It's complicated, and yet it's it's the simplest thing as well, because um, we we express our genes, but a gene is only as good as its environment mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And we are now creating or living in or changing an environment. Remember that the I am is saying that you know there are four domains that we respond to: the home domain, the social domain. Those are the two external domains. Mm -hmm. And then the internal domains of our biological domain of our brain and body, and in this case, you know, our chromosomal structures. And then the I see domain. How do I see myself? And how do I think other people see me? And that is really at play here in a big, big way. And these four domains interact all the time, but I truly believe we respond the best we can. That means we all respond the best we can. We don't have to like it. We don't have to condone it. People are held responsible. But let's look again at why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Let's respect, again, look, why. So what has happened this week? Oof. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think Tom gave a, a good brief overview of some of the, the specific things that are happening this week, it, at least in the U.S., um, in particular related to um, LGBTQ folks and, and specifically mostly trans and non-binary youth. Um, and I, I think that both the example in Florida and the example in Texas are, they didn't come out of nowhere, right? These, these are things that have been building. These happen to be two, um, you know, sort of urgent, immediate examples, but uh, it, it's not new. This is in, in some ways, actually, I think, uh, a strong backlash to just the gentlest of movement in uh, trans affirmation and validation that we've had over a, a somewhat short period. Um, I've been doing this work, like I, like you heard earlier, I've been doing this work for about 15 years. And 
the, the things that I was addressing 15 years ago versus now have changed dramatically. Um, people are on average more aware and a little more willing. Um, and, you know, we haven't come that far. Yeah, there's so so many people that have an attitude. I didn't know about it by the time I was five. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm. Or if it doesn't affect me, it must not be real. Yeah. Right. So so how did you begin this journey 15 years ago? Um, you know, that's an excellent question that I don't even have a, a super clear answer to myself. Um, I have always been someone who uh for lack of a better phrase, could not keep my mouth shut. Uh, I have things to say and I'm going to say them. And uh, that has uh, meant that I am really willing to stand up when I see things that don't uh, feel right, don't seem right. Um, And also means that I'm very willing to uh, be that public speaker and (laughs) stand up and gladly share information uh, that I've learned. Um, And so, you know, it's this journey has both been um, very personal. I identify as queer and as genderqueer. Um, so for myself, I sort of umbrella term, see myself as a member of the trans community. Um, the term that I use for myself is genderqueer. Um, but that's not something that I came to for myself until my 20s, because it wasn't information I had. It wasn't something I had any inkling I could be or that was possible. Um, and the the degree to which uh, that self-knowledge has been so freeing and fulfilling and validating, I really want other people to have those opportunities and to be able to find themselves like that, whether it's as a member of these communities or as another human being who can maybe expand what they thought they knew. And how do you bring that to the groups that you run and, and what are you finding in, in the folks who come there? Just, just so people know, Ramey works for us at Riverside Community Care and they're a wait list for, for their groups. Yeah, um, so I, I do run an LGBTQ uh, therapy group. Um, it is one of very few for adults in the area um, because you know, I do think sometimes there is uh, a real push to make sure things, uh, there's support for children, which absolutely there should be. Uh, but right. then we, I think sometimes forget that children grow into adults. Um, and, you know, it, it is really, I, I think, you know, you said that there's always a wait list for my group. And I think that's really telling. I don't think that's because of me. Those people get on the wait list, not having any information about who I am or what the group is like, just knowing that they are in search of community or solidarity or just knowing that some space might be might see them as who they are. Um, and that's that's really unique. Um, and so the, the folks that come to my group um, are, are quite wide ranging. You know, some people have had a. a keen understanding of their own identity for since since childhood some people have had a lot of family support some folks haven't come to this until you know they're much later in life um some people have no community some people are deeply entrenched in lgbtq community um and all of those people still thrive in this space where we all get to be 
wholly and entirely ourselves um, and just hold that, that space together. Sounds like there's a lot of respect there. I mean, it's, you know, it's still a group. There's, there's disagreements, there's accidental hurts. There's things that we're working through because we're human. Um, But there, there is a deep respect that does come from knowing how meaningful it is to just be ourselves with each other. Right. And that, that's really has been what I've found in the groups that I've run is that when this group creates a place of respect where they feel valued then they can trust mm-hmm. they can trust and share these these feelings these secrets because you know secrets aren't secrets because of what we've done secrets are very often secrets because we worry how will someone judge me yeah if they know my secret will they see me as less valuable mm-hmm. I, I wonder whether we could just clarify for our audience what did happen in Florida and Texas. Again, I I don't expect anyone to to be experts in this, and yet something has happened. So what do we know at this point? Yeah, so I'm going to do my best uh, also acknowledging, so something I was just saying off air is uh, there's sometimes a real exhaustion within LGBTQ communities for how many times can we talk about these kinds of things. So I have not followed the news particularly closely because it's exhausting. Um, okay. With that in mind, uh, so I, to the best of my understanding, um, the Florida legislature just passed a bill uh, effectively saying that uh, teachers and adults cannot uh, talk about LGBTQ issues in elementary schools. Um, it's don't say gay, uh, basically. Um, and Texas, uh, the Texas governor has issued a directive, I suppose, uh, to Child Protective Services saying that uh, anyone who is supporting a transgender or non-binary youth, whether it's their parents, uh, school professionals, uh, medical providers, um, helping them to transition or affirm their gender identity in any way, that that should be seen and investigated as child abuse. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious, and again, I, I think this this is going to be one of the arguments to come up. So I, I'm going to play the, the devil's advocate in this. Um, I think some some people would say, well, you know, a, a kid is is not uh, prepared to make these decisions about themselves. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate, <laughs> so you know, just you know, don't. Um, and others would say, why should my kid? Uh, learn about these things in third grade. But that's not what's really going on, is it? No. So, I mean, you know, I could sit here and spout off, actually, probably Dr. Joe, you could do it better about, you know, the fact that children actually have a very uh, developmentally appropriate understanding of gender and what that means broadly and for themselves as young as three. Um, Right. So I I could sit here and talk about actually it's very developmentally appropriate to talk about these things. I could talk about the fact that kids are going to think about these things. They're going to learn about these things and pretending it doesn't exist does them uh, no favors. Instead, what I'm going to really say is I think these kinds of laws focus 
so much on what about, you know, my kids that people seem to think absolutely must not be those kids Mm. and how, you know, you're brainwashing my kids and you're making them think these horrible things. And aside from the part where that's uh, very, I'm trying really hard to think of a a nice way to say, but aside from how horrible that is, uh, what about the kids who are genuinely going through this? Whether or not you believe them, this is real for them. And all we're doing with laws and movements like this is further making them high, making them feel ashamed, making them feel unsafe at, at their own expense. It's not helping anyone else and it's, it's only harming. Yeah. It, it, because it sends a message, right? That you, you're not allowed to talk about these things, mm-hmm. that somehow it's shameful, that somehow right. you're wrong, somehow you're less than, somehow you're broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, did that ever happen to you as you were growing up? So it's it's interesting because I I think some trans and non-binary folks can look back and, and sort of see like, oh, yeah, I definitely have always been whatever this gender is, but I just didn't have the language for it or I wasn't allowed to be. Um, mm. I don't know that I, that's my experience in the same way. I don't know that I was uh, uncomfortable with my assigned gender growing up uh, with the exception of just, uh, you know, growing up uh, raised by a feminist mom and really chafing at the idea of there's restrictions on what anyone can do. But, um, you know, I don't look back and think like people, uh, adults, stifled me or made me feel ashamed of who I was because I just don't think I was thinking about it then Hmm. and that same the other side of that coin is that no one was talking about it at all and so Hmm. maybe I could have been thinking about it then Hmm. had had it ever occurred to me had I ever heard about non-binary people or genderqueer people if I had language or information or models or examples, maybe I would have thought about it. Hmm. And is that part of what's happening now, do you think, in in our culture, in our youth, in our adults who have Mm -hmm. had to keep their secret for so long? Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways it is. Um, I think, you know, one thing that is, is different now is ease of access to information. You know, I, Although I'm, uh, I am on the younger end of things. Uh, I grew up in a time where I did not have the internet as it is right at my fingertips. I didn't have access to this information. Um, I could not have found information as readily and as easily as I think young people do today. And I know that that scares a lot of people. Um, but I also think that's a beautiful thing because I think that's what allows a lot of queer and trans folks to find themselves sooner because they have more access to information. They are seeing more examples. They can find more community. And I don't think that's that they're uh, being brainwashed. I think that's them finding more opportunity and more support. 
I'm, I'm curious about this part as well, because you say find more community, which, which is so mm. important and appropriate. But doesn't that imply that they are separated from another community? Mm. I mean, is any community ever actually separated from another community? I don't think so. I, like I said, I think that, you know, this is, this is part of the I am. Yeah. Right. Is, is we are one group. It's called humanity. We're one group. And yet we divide into these tribes, into these clusters where we have more familiarity with Mm -hmm. one than another. And then all of a sudden the other group is wrong, is not. And I think we started to talk about this earlier on is not even human. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And I think you're, I think you're right, Dr. Joe. And it's interesting though, that it so often does get framed this way of, well, if you're talking about community, then you're just trying to be better than us or trying to be separate from us, uh, trying to make us feel less than when in reality, queer and trans folks are seeking out community specifically because the broader community and society is telling us that we are less than. Yes, that's right. And why is that? What, what, I mean, really, where does that one come from? Here? I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's been going on for millennia. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. We have to do something about it. We have to do something. And, and, for for me, the, the other part about this week that has been so powerful is that there is less silence, Tom. I mean, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be talking about this if people had not said this is wrong, even though, you know, the the particular governmental bodies have enough people to say we're going to push it through anyway. Mm-hmm. Other people say, no, there's something wrong. This is mm-hmm. wrong. What's that like? Amy, is that is that new? That's a really interesting question. Um, I, I think I, I think you're right that there is more a, a sort of broader general consensus that this is not okay, that this is wrong, um, that transphobia and homophobia are not okay. Uh, and I I do think you're right that there is. Um, more momentum and more conversation than perhaps there would have been in the past. And I think, again, you know, one of the challenges is, you know, with visibility comes risk, right? And so there also would not have been as much um, mobilizing or pushback in the past because we wouldn't have had to have those conversations in the past because no one needed to pass these bills in the past because no one was talking about these things in the past. Uh, right. So yeah. there's, it, it's sort of, again, that, that balancing act of, you know, the two steps forward, one step back of visibility is so deeply important and is also really dangerous. Right. And so, you know, part of how I've found my role within um, LGBTQ community and activism in particular is doing things like this because I also know that uh, for myself as a white person, as a masculine of center person, I have a lot more safety uh, in my own visibility than other members of my community. And so I, it feels really important to me to sort of broadcast these messages, to have these conversations, to put myself out there 
because I know that the harm that might come to me from speaking out is is not necessarily the same risk as you know my loved ones who are uh, members of this community and are also um, Black, Indigenous, or other people of color who are visibly disabled people, you know, who are experiencing additional layers of oppression. And so it, you know, again, we're, I'm, <laughs> I feel like I've said a few things a few times, but this idea of that, that visibility and that bigger conversation is happening and it is important. And the people who tend to get the, the biggest blowback from that are the people who are already most on the margins and already most at risk. Yeah. And this ties into Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Think of how, look at how many people are saying, well, if we didn't have pronouns, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Visibility can be a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Certainly, you know, if you're visible, you're more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But if you're visible, you also have more influence. A couple of comments have come in. Um, one from Kim Fisher. Uh, maybe a question about how people can best take care of themselves when jarred by this information, how to access supports. So how about that first? How do we, how do we take care of ourselves and how do we access the supports? Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I, I gave one example earlier, which might seem counterintuitive or silly, but, you know, I was saying I have not followed the news in great detail. I am following enough to know what's going on to, you know, pay attention as much as I can to where I might need to take action. And I'm also not checking the news 80 times a day um, because it it's going to eat at me, right? And I think mm-hmm. knowing your your limits, your capacity, and knowing when you, you need, deserve a break, uh, is is so important, especially in a time like this where there's just bad news after bad news on top of bad news. Yeah, yeah. And and the supports, can can you tell folks how they can get in touch with us at Riverside, but also whether, I don't know whether you know any national supports or groups that people mm-hmm. can access, because we have people listening from all over the country and all yes. over the world. So I have a couple uh, excellent resources. Uh, the first one I'll offer is Trans Lifeline. Um, Trans Lifeline is a uh, suicide prevention, mental health support, uh, peer-to-peer hotline specifically for and by trans folks. Um, You can go to their website uh, to get more information because I do not remember their number off the top of my head. Um, We'll post that on our Facebook site, right, Tom? Yeah. That number is 877-565-8860. Maybe. One more time, Thank Tom. Eight seven seven five six five eight eight six zero. Great. Thank you for that resource, Ramy. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, the Trevor Project is another hotline, but they also do a lot of wonderful uh, work specifically for LGBTQ youth. Um, so another excellent resource uh, for younger folks in particular. Um, I'm also actually wearing a resource right now. Uh, I've got a shirt on. So it says, I support, defend, and fight for trans lives. I'm going to give folks a nice, review. Um, nice. So this, this was a fundraiser for TSCR, which is the Trans Student Educational Resource Resources. Uh, I may be messing up their name, but uh, they are a wonderful organization that specifically works uh, to broaden access to educational support for trans 
folks, young folks in school. Um, they have a lot of excellent uh, materials and resources, so I highly recommend them. Um, I probably have others, and I've obviously just completely blanked I, now. <laughs> what about for folks if so they if they may want to come to Riverside Community Care? Is there a, a number that they can call, or they just go to our website? Uh, there probably is. I I know the Somerville Clinic main number. I do not know the Riverside main number. <laughs> well, let's hear the Somerville one. Sure. So if you're in the Somerville, Cambridge area, uh, and you're interested in getting mental health resources, uh, the Riverside uh, clinic in Somerville is 617-354-2275. Yeah. And I, I, I really encourage people to, to call. Um, we have enormous supports. It's called community care for a reason. And it's not just by the Riverside. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. So the other thing is uh, from Ranjib, and I'm going to just quote this. He says, coming from the I am approach, are there ways we can come alongside Florida's legislatures, for example, with an understanding that they are doing the best they can in this moment, but then help shift them, shift them in one or more of the domains? Mm-hmm. So what about that? It's a, it's a, it's a great thing because really, mm-hmm. you know, we're all doing the best we can. We just yeah. we don't have to agree with it, but we need to respect where folks are coming from. Right. So right. What, what could we shift for those folks? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, a, a big piece of this is uh, identifying where there is an overlap, which is clearly, you know, the folks pushing this legislation at least believe that they are trying to keep their children safe, that they are doing the best for kids, um, which, you know, I also want the best for kids. I also want to keep children safe. We happen to have very different ideas of what that means, but they're there's a bridge there, which is, all right, you're worried about the safety of children. How, how can we have a conversation where we say, all right, that, that looks different to each of us, but we clearly both have a, a similar goal in mind. And here's why I think your, your efforts are actually harming kids, which is not what you want. Yeah. And, and, and their pushback would be, but you're harming kids. I know. And so then, then we stop, though, but it's okay. This is what the IM is about. And and we can exemplify this. In the groups that you run, you create an environment of trust because there's respect and value. Mistrust is from devaluation and disrespect. It works in the opposite way. And so from the IM point of view, what we're saying is, you know what? I am interested in why you do what you do. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just interested because ultimately we all do want the same thing. We just want to feel valued by somebody else. I mean, that really is what it is. And we have spent millennium increasing our value by decreasing the value of somebody else. This is, this is a thesis of unleashing the power of respect folks. It's a book that just came out by, who was that by? Oh yeah, it's by me. Um, Unleashing the power of respect, the I am approach. You can get it on Amazon, even though a lot of people don't like Amazon, but that's where it is right now. We spent millennium de- increasing our, our value by decreasing someone else's, and then are astonished that they do the same, and then astonished that we lead to war. But at every and any moment in time, you can remind someone of their value. Whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. 
And now you have two brains that are more trusting, which means everyone's safer, which means now everyone can be creative. It's not just unleashing the power of respect. It's unleashing the unlimited potential of human ingenuity, of who we are. We are one group. We are one group called humanity. We've got to do this. Or, 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 you know, we have this limbic system, right? This emotional, primitive, irrational brain. But the prefrontal cortex, anticipating the future, what will happen next? What do people really think will happen next if we keep doing what we're doing? It's showing up right now in different parts of our country, in different parts of our world, that we can do something different. You know, because the four domains interconnect, a small change can have a big effect. You don't need to change everything. Amy, what small change can you recommend to our listeners so they can begin to manage what's happening? Mm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give uh, two different pieces, one for members of the community. So for queer and trans folks who are really bearing the brunt of this right now, uh, uh, the change that I'm going to encourage is to be compassionate with yourself, uh, to not feel like the responsibility is on your shoulders to fix this, and also to not feel like uh, if you're taking care of yourself that you're letting everyone else down. Um, it feels, I think, for a lot of members of the community that it's all on us and we're not going to do our best job if that's how we're moving forward. Um, so I think then the small change that I would offer for folks who are not members of the LGBTQ community uh, is to, you know, I, I, I like the, the recommendation from uh, your previous guest to speak up, but I would even say before speaking up, uh, just try something new, learn a little bit more, practice something, whether it's practicing pronouns that you're not used to or, uh, you know, going to the TSER website, um, just trying to grow your own comfort level just a little bit, uh, wherever you're at, to make this feel like it's it's your fight as well. That's a small change that can have a big effect. I hope people can listen to that and enact that and start doing that right away. The other truth of the I am is Everyone is interested in what you think or feel about them, which is through the I see domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? You're part of someone's home or social domain. And you have an effect on their biological domain because you know it feels differently when you feel respected or disrespected. So Rami marks, you control no one. You influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. What kind of influence? would you like to be? Um, I would like to be an influence of humanity. And by that, I mean, not representing, you know, the human race, because I think that there are real differences, but rather uh, encouraging each of us and all of us to see the humanity in others um, and to see that humanity in ourselves. Mm. It is something we can all do. And yet somehow it's been so elusive in so many ways that we separate into these groups and these tribes, just because you live in one home and in one social domain, 
doesn't mean that you actually don't have a much larger home. The I am is also about systems. It's not just about an individual. We have one home. It's our planet. One social group. It's humanity. Ramey, thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on the Dr. Doe show tonight. It's been it's wonderful. Mom, I'll see you next week. Bye, Larry. Stretch the